Glad you're here today. First time back at the start of the new year. Uh, looking forward to a, a big start for our men's power lunch. Want to encourage you to be thinking about it. Look around. We've got some empty room today. Uh, encourage those to, to join you. Grab somebody. Invite somebody. Uh, notice there on your way out, there's a bucket of these wooden nickels. Uh, take those. Grab a handful of them. As you go through the course of the week, invite somebody uh, to join you. Swing by and pick them up. We want to see our men's lunch continue to grow. I always say that, but you know what? If, if each one of us will grab one person, we'll double in a week. And if we'll continue to do that, we'll have a whole bunch of men in here hearing what God has said about living as a follower of Jesus Christ particularly, very specifically as a man. So again, glad you're here today. I want to encourage you to invite somebody uh, every single week. Uh, grab some of the wooden nickels on your way out. Today we start off a new year, and, and, I, and you watch the news, and you see everything that's coming, uh, coming uh, down the pipe at us. Uh, 2018, let me start off and ask the question today. Today, what is the greatest threat to the cause of Christ in 2018? What is the greatest threat to the cause of Christ in 2018? What is the greatest threat to the church today in 2018? What is the greatest threat to the home today? Look at the homes across our land today. What is the greatest threat to our homes today in 2018? And then very specifically for us today as men, what is the greatest threat for us as men Today in 2018, and, I, and maybe talking about believers here today, maybe talking about non-believers, what is the greatest threat for men today in 2018? The most damaging thing, uh, the most dangerous threat for men, for our homes, for the church, for the cause of Christ today. And, and, you, and you think about that, uh, man, there could be a whole bunch of potential answers. Um, is it drugs? Are, are drugs the, the greatest threat today? Look what the damage uh, that, that, that addiction's having through drugs. Could that be the greatest threat? Maybe it's pornography. And, and we're not talking about that a whole lot. Since 1995, the fastest growing addiction in America is, is to internet pornography. Outpacing drugs or alcohol, methamphetamines, the, the fastest growing addiction today is to pornography. Could that be the greatest threat? Uh, maybe it's the TV and the media, uh, the, the, the internet, the, the influx of, of crud that just comes wave after wave upon us. And, and look what our kids hear and look what we're, we're hearing and what we're willing to accept. Is it the TV and the internet and the phones that, that we're carrying around? I, I was thinking about this. Uh, remember when I was a kid and you'd watch, maybe you watched the originals. I watched reruns of I Love Lucy and they slept in separate beds on TV. Today in primetime TV, you can see two men together in bed. Maybe it's, maybe it's the influx of crud that comes to the media. J.C. Penney today runs ads selling coats with two gay men out coat shopping. Maybe it's the avalanche of crud that comes through the media today. Is that the greatest threat? Is that the greatest threat? Or is it materialism? Is it just this greedy instinct? That we have become, as a culture, consumed with more and bigger and better. Look, look at Facebook today. Facebook is a whole platform dedicated to mine is better than yours. And that's what it's about. You watch Facebook, my lunch was better than your lunch. My vacation, better than yours. My, my car, better than yours. My neighborhood is better than yours. My wife, for sure, better than yours. And it's a whole platform about mine is better 
than yours? Is it materialism? And man, we, we celebrate, we promote materialism. Look at how we raise our kids today. We raise our kids with the idea that more is better. And, and you know what? How I'm going to be successful as a parent is if my kid lives in a bigger house than me or lives in a better neighborhood than me or has a better standard of living than me. Where in the world does that ever come from? So is that the biggest threat? Materialism that just shakes us to our core. And on and on we could go. What is the biggest threat to the cause of Christ today? What is the biggest threat to us as men today? I will tell you. Here's the biggest threat. The biggest threat today is the absence of the truth today. The stark absence of biblical truth today. That is the biggest threat to our churches. That is the biggest threat to our homes and to our marriages. That is the biggest threat to us as individuals is the truth that the truth has gone missing in 2018. And I'll just tell you, I, I, I'm sick of it. Uh, I look around, the truth is being distorted. Uh, the truth is being prostituted. The truth is being neglected. The truth is absolutely missing today. And that is a dangerous, dangerous thing. Well, what, what about one of these other things? I want to tell you, the absence of the truth is a dangerous, dangerous thing. Think about this. Satan's method, Satan's mode has always been to attack the truth. Do you, do you understand that? Go all, way, go all the way back to the Garden of Eden there in the book of Genesis. Uh, God is speaking. Now, they're in a relationship with the Holy God. God is speaking. God is the truth. It says God has said, and what's the first thing Satan does? He says, did God truly say? He attacks the truth. He attacks the, the credibility, the validity of the truth. Think about that today. Jesus is the truth. Satan is the father of lies. That's what the Bible says. Jesus is the way. Satan is the deceiver drawing us away from the, from the true way. Jesus is the light. Satan is the ruler of darkness, the prince of darkness. Understand today, the, the battle is for the truth. And so the greatest need today in the church, the greatest need in the cause of Christ, the greatest need in our homes, the greatest need for us as individuals is for biblical truth. Oh, that we would get that. Oh, that we would get that. I, I pray that the, the, the result of this men's lunch is that we would go and say, you know what we need? We need to embrace the biblical truth. And you know what? I want to I live my marriage in the guidelines of the biblical truth. I want to raise my kids in the guidelines of biblical truth. The greatest need is for biblical truth today. Today, we're going to continue. Uh, we're moving through 1 Peter. Now we're in 2 Peter, verse by verse. Today, we're going to pick up where we left off before our Christmas break uh, and the, the Apostle Peter here picks up on this subject. I'm going to read 2 Peter chapter 2. I'm going to read the first three verses, and then we'll come back and talk about those verses. 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. If you have a Bible, turn there. If you do not have a Bible, I want to encourage you every week, try and remember to bring your Bible. 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. Listen to what Peter says. But false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will also be false teachers among you who will secretly introduce destructive heresies, 
even denying the master who bought them, bringing swift destruction upon themselves. Verse 2, many will follow their sensuality, and because of them, the way of the truth will be maligned. Verse 3, I'm going to read the first part. And in their greed, they will exploit you with their false words. Now, if you remember the last of, of chapter 1, before we start the, chapter, the second chapter, uh, it ends by Peter talking about the Word of God. He's talking about there at the end of that chapter, the Word from God. Uh, God says there, and, and it's very clear as we wrap up that chapter, that it is not from man. It's not the ideas of man. It's not the concepts of man. Understand that the Bible, this is not the letter, the words from Paul. These are not the, the ideas or the decisions of Peter. No, the Bible is the word of God. And that's where the, that's where the chapter ends. The Bible is the word of God. Hear that. The Bible is the word of God. Listen to, to chapter 1, verses 20 and 21. But know this first of all. That no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. Listen to verse 21. For no prophecy was ever made by act of human will, but men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. The Bible is the word from God. The Bible is the word of God. Now I want to just catch us up before we move on to our verses today. Because it is the word of God... It is three things. Because it is the word of God, it is three things. First thing is this. Because it is the word of God, it is without error. It is without error. Now, think about that for a second. God doesn't make mistakes, and so God doesn't speak mistakes. And so if this is truly the word of God, there is no error in it. Does that make sense? If I actually believe this is the word of God and God's not making any mistakes because he spoke it, there is no error in it. Satan attacks that. The world attacks that. Well, you can't trust that. Well, how could it endure this many years? Well, how do we hold it in this form to have any credibility? Satan attacks that. If this is the word of God, it is without error. It is trustworthy because it is without error and it is without error because it is the word of God. And so that's the first thing. If it is the word of God, it is without error. Second thing, because it is the word of God, it carries the authority of God. Now listen, that just makes a lot of sense. Because it is the word of God, it carries the authority of God. Now what that means is it is authoritative. Think about this. If you're at your house, you're in your pickup, and if God spoke to you, if he audibly spoke to you and you knew it was God, well, I don't know if that's God or not. If you knew it was God and you heard the voice of God and God said, do this. God said, do not do this. God said, look over here. If you, if you heard the voice of God and you knew it was God, wouldn't you listen? Sometimes I think, well, if he would just tell me, I'd do it. 
Well, if I, just, if I just knew this is what he said, I would do it. Listen to me. The Bible is the word of God. It carries the authority of his speech. It is not a suggestion to us. It is not a self-help book that, that might help us do better. It's not a good luck charm that if I take it, I'm going to have some kind of favor or something like that. It is the word of God that carries the authority of God speaking to you. God says this. You know what he said in his word? It carries the authority of God. That's the second thing. Let me tell you first off before we leave that. We do not like authority. And that's part of our problem. God says this, you know what, I'm going to try it myself. I'll come back and I'll catch him on the next lap. We do not like authority. We push back towards authority. This is the word of God. It carries the authority of God's speech. Third, because it is the word of God, now listen to this. Because it is the word of God, it is enough. Because it is the word of God, it is enough. It is sufficient because it is the word of God. Now what that means is this. We do not need another book because I have the word from God. I don't need the Book of Mormon. We do not need some other book to come and to add to this book. We do not need another word. There's a lot of people saying, you know what, I have this word, but if I had another word, I have this word. I'm not looking for another word. I do not need an experience to validate this word. Well, this is the word of God, and if he would let uh, the next stone fall in front of me or this happen or lightning flash, I would believe it. I do not need an experience to validate the word of God. It is the word of God, and so it is enough. It is sufficient. I'm not looking for something to add to it or validate it. And so see this. It is the word of God. That's how the first chapter wraps up. Setting out that truth, isn't it interesting? Chapter one ends, this is the word of God. Not from men, but comes from, from men who are inspired, directed by the Holy Spirit of God. Isn't it interesting that the next subject is on false teachers, on attacks on the truth? Now, let's look at the verses again, piece by piece. First verse says this, but false prophets also arose among the people. Now, he's talking about the Old Testament. You know what? There were always false prophets. And the, the Bible said, watch out for the false prophets. If they say so, something and it doesn't come true, kill them. That's what it says. Stone them. If they say, this is my dream and this dream's going to come to pass, if that dream doesn't come to pass, snatch them up, stone them, kill them. But false teachers were always entering in. False teachers were always showing up. That's the Old Testament. Then it, then it applies it to us in the church. It says, just as, just like there were some back then, just as there will also be false teachers among you. That's what he's telling Christians. There were false teachers then, false prophets then, just as there will also be false teachers among you. Now, let me tell you how false teachers can work. There's two, there's two ways. They can work externally, which means they can come from the outside. They could come and they could spring up somewhere and they could try to influence the church, but they're, they're external, they're outside of the church. Or the more destructive way is that they would come from the inside. They would rise up in the church. They would rise up in the pulpits. They would rise up in our teaching materials. They would rise up in what we would call today Christian radio. And so they would come on the inside and we would think, you know what, they look a lot like us. They sound a lot like us. And a more destructive thing is to come up in the midst of the church. One of the two ways. 
says this, just as they will also false teachers be among you who will secretly introduce destructive heresies. Now, now these words mean a lot. Listen, secretly means deceptively. Deceptively introduce. They do not come and just denounce the truth. That's not how they're going to work. If somebody walked into Calvary Baptist Church and said, Jesus is not the Son of God, we'd, we'd throw them out. But they come in and they say a, a deviation from that. They say something soft along those lines. And, and they come and they secretly introduce. They deceptively introduce. That's, that's how they work. They change it. They shift it. They leave something out. They add a little bit to it. And it says in doing so, they introduce destructive heresies. I would like to preach a whole sermon on destructive heresies. I'm not going today because we've got to get back to work. Destructive means this. It destroys. It destroys. It is no small matter. It is no laughing matter. When somebody rises up in the church and starts to teach non-truth, you know why? People are going to be destroyed. Marriages are going to be destroyed. Kids are going to be raised with divorced parents. Homes are going to be wrecked. Lives are going to be messed up. Some folks are not going to be saved because they do not hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is destructive when they enter in. It always ends in destruction. It's no small matter. Then it's the word heresies. Heresy in the original language, comes from the root or the basic word that means opinions. Now think about that, opinions. Where we have the truth of God's word, false teacher wants to replace it with an opinion. Well, this is what I think. Well, this, this, this suits me better. This is what I like. And so instead of the truth of God's word, we have an opinion put in and it's, it's these false teachers opinion you had the truth you had the plumb line but you replace it with what you think verse continues on and says even denying the master and it's talking about Jesus they come and they introduce these destructive heresies even denying the master who bought them Jesus paid for them on the cross of Calvary Jesus shed his blood. He died. He was beaten beyond recognition to pay for their sins on the cross of Calvary. And they deny even the master, Jesus, who bought them. Ultimate form of betrayal. I sat there this morning and I looked at that ultimate form of betrayal. Reject Christ. Go ahead and reject him. But to go and to lead others into destruction after he paid the price for you on the cross of Calvary, the ultimate form of betrayal. They turn their back on Jesus. Verse 2. Many will follow their sensuality, and because of them the way of truth will be maligned. Many will follow their sensuality. Sensuality means an appeal to the flesh. It feels good. It feels like something I would desire. This is what I want. It says many will follow because of that. Now what that means is this, and it's just the honest truth, they're going to be successful. 
they're going to be successful. They're going to come into the church. They're going to rise up in the church, and they're going to say what you want to hear. They're going to say not what God has said. They're going to say what you want to hear, and they're going to feed your appetites. And driven by that, they're going to be successful. That's what the Bible says. They're going to come, and they're going to lead many people astray. And it says, and because of, uh, because of them, the way of truth will be maligned. Here they come, and they enter in these, these heresies, these opinions instead of the truth, and because of them, the way of truth will be maligned. Maligned means slandered, defamed, or here, here's the biggest one I could find, uh, given no value. It, it actually means robbed of its value. They come and they speak lies, and because they're speaking lies, the truth is robbed of its value. Do you hear that? They come and they steal the value of the truth. They defame the truth. The truth that saves, the truth that leads to eternal life in Jesus Christ, the truth that changes our lives, the truth that is so desperately needed, the truth that people will die without is robbed of its value because of these destructive heresies and these false teachers. That's a big deal. Well, it's close enough, isn't it? Somebody's going to go to hell. They didn't hear it. Somebody's, somebody's home's going to be wrecked. They heard the wrong thing. They robbed the value from the truth. Verse 3, first half. And in their greed, now this, is, this just lays it out. And in their greed, they will exploit you with false words, with lies. And in their greed, they will exploit you with false words. Now what that means is this. They trade you. They hurt you. They injure you and maybe your wife and maybe your kids and maybe your family member, maybe your friends, but they trade you for their gain. And that, that's really what this is. Their, their greed, their self-promotion, their self-serving attitude, they would come and they would trade you you know what? I don't care about the wreckage that's going to go on in your life. I'm going to trade you that I might gain. It is all about them. It's all about them. You watch a false teacher, and one of the things that you'll start to see is it's always about them. It's always about their reputation. It's always about their gain. It is a way to self-promote. Think about Satan all the way back to the garden. Why does he attack the truth? He wanted to be God. He wanted to be like God. It was all about him. He wasn't serving some, some benevolent cause somewhere. It was all about him. False teachers, that's why they attack the truth. It is all about them. Greatest threat today is the absence of truth. Men, let me tell you something. We have the truth. We have the truth. We have the word from God. Listen, we need to grab the truth. We need to study God's word. We need to memorize God's word. We need to hear God's word. We need to, to, to dictate our life according to God's word. We have the truth. Let us embrace the truth. Grab the truth. We have the word from God. Let me say this. Today, how do we get here? Let me, let me just tell you, I won't be long. Today, 2018, political correctness and in the name of tolerance, 
we have been told that we have to sacrifice the truth. Political correctness, that we do not offend anybody, for tolerance, that we accept all people, we're told that we have to compromise on the truth. And you watch from Oprah Winfrey to the media to what's being written to the TV to what's showing up in our churches today. Nobody wants to offend anybody. Nobody's going to stand for something that somebody else wouldn't be accepted by. And so in the name of political correctness and the name of tolerance, we're told over and over again, we have to compromise the truth. We're telling our six-year-olds, you're not a male, you're not a female, you're whatever you desire to be. We have to compromise the truth not to offend anybody that is the lie of today listen to me we're told that in the church over and over again in the church we're told this listen you may have heard it we have to focus on what we have in common instead of what divides us I'm, I'm sick of that I decided this week I'm sick of it I'm just gonna start saying I'm sick of that over and over we well it's 90 percent right we have to worry about what we have in common. We, we, can't let that, we can't let that divide us. We have to focus on what we have in common instead of what divides us over and over. We have to focus on what we have in common instead of what divides us. Men, listen to me. We have to focus on the truth even if it does divide us. That's the truth. We have to go to the truth even if it does divide us. The Bible says of itself, the truth will divide. The gospel divides Fact is this, and here we're going to wrap it up. The truth comes, is revealed, is held. We hold it in the word of God. What is missing today, why we have a drug problem, why we have a family problem, why we have a marriage problem, why we have problems in our church, why we have problems with character and morality is because the word of God has gone absent. Been saying it for about a year. You know what we need? We need a revival of the word of God. We need people to say this is what God has said and it carries the authority of his speech and it does not have an error and I'm trusting in it and I will dictate my life according to what God has said in his word. We need a revival of the word of God. What if it started in a Thursday men's lunch with men that said no more? This is God's word. I hold it. I possess it. I will know it. I will study it. I will live according to it. Start the revival here. What if it started here today? I'm going to ask if you'll stand. I'll lead this in a word of prayer. We'll be dismissed. Grab some of those wooden nickels on the way out and invite somebody to join you next week. We want to see it double. Let's pray. Dear Father, we come today, and I'm thankful, first of all, for my Savior, Jesus Christ, and I, I would be remiss not to say the word of God is important. The word of God is, is, is vital because it points to forgiveness through our Savior, Jesus Christ. Through it points to the plan of salvation, the truth of the gospel, that while we're yet sinners, you love us, you die for us, you offer us grace and forgiveness and restoration and redemption through Jesus Christ. That's why we love the word of God. I pray that you'd forgive us where we've neglected it. I pray that you forgive us where we've been apathetic toward it. But I pray that today in our love for you, that we would have a renewed and a growing love for your word. Put it in our, part, in our hearts. Put it in our mind. Let it be quick to dictate the, the steps of our path and use it for your glory. Most of all, I pray that folks would find Jesus Christ 
from a generation, a group of men that stood upon the truth of your word. Let people find our Savior, Jesus Christ. We love you, we praise you, and I pray in Jesus' name, amen.